The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, disturbing political ideas, and even more disturbing sexual references. Friday the 19th of April 2019, it's Good Friday, and right now it's not just good, it is fantastic. 37 days here in Australia, because last week this happened. Earlier this morning, I visited the Governor-General here in Canberra and he accepted my advice for an election to be held on the 18th of May. Yes, it's day nine of the federal election campaign. Hurrah, today is E-29. So there's only, only four weeks, to four weeks. I can't, fuck it, I'm over it. This is the 9pm arch window of the death of democracy or something. Fuck everything. All right, I can't avoid it, can I? None of us can. Well, none of us in Australia. Fucking democracy is taking place in our great nation. So here's how Prime Minister Scott Morrison started what should have been inspirational, but was in fact one of the most boring political speeches in history. Australia is the best country in the world, but our future depends on a strong economy. Got that? It depends on a strong economy. It probably depends on a few other things as well. Anyway, here's a phrase later in the speech. You're going to get totally sick of this over the next few weeks. I believe in a fair go for those who have a go. Got that? Now, I'm going to play it again just to make sure you understand. I believe in a fair go for those who have a go. Got it? So what the fuck does that actually mean? Well, here's the official answer. And what that means is part of the promise that we all keep as Australians is that we make a contribution and don't seek to take one. And when all Australians do that, that's when we get the fair go mentality and culture that has made our country strong today. So under our policies, if you're having a go, you'll get a go. And that involves an obligation on all of us to be able to bring what we have to the table. It doesn't matter what level of ability you have, what your means are, where you live in this country. It matters that we all bring our best. And under my government, under our government, under a Liberal Nationals government, we will be always be backing in those Australians who are looking to make a contribution, not take one, and together that's how we make our country stronger. Well, that's pretty fucked, I reckon. And, and I, I will expand upon that thought right now. I was, I was going to write something far more uh, detailed, but Catherine Murphy at The Guardian, Ms Murphyroo, as she's called on the Twitters, wrote a piece the other day which really summed it up. She said, what this means is that the Prime Minister of Australia believes that the fair go is conditional. By his own account, the fair go has some footnotes attached to it. The fair go applies if you have a go and if you don't seek to take a contribution. It doesn't automatically apply to everyone equally. It's designed, she says, to validate a resting predisposition in the community about conniving welfare cheats and dole bludgers. And it encourages strivers to feel good about themselves and 
vaguely resentful about the circumstances of others. In fact, many of us do take contributions. We've got public education and universal health care and family payments and childcare assistance. And I'm going to add in a, a few more, at least one more, you know, all of those services we take for granted. Roads, for example, we don't need to have a go to use the roads. They're for all of us. Murphy says, these are priorities Australia has set for itself in the way we conceive the institution of government and what it does. Making a contribution without taking one is not what happens in reality, not in this country. Well, yes, for fuck's sake, that's what we pay taxes for. That's right. We work if we can. We pay taxes if we are fortunate enough to be employed. And we consume government services throughout our lives. I mean, even the fucking boomers who are not productive at all, get to use the public health system, although perhaps I have a modest proposal along those lines. But Morrison's vision, she says, is that some categories of people are inherently more deserving than others, that finding yourself on the bottom rung of the ladder is attributable not to a set of circumstances that governments might look at correcting for the good of society as a whole, but because of a failure of individual imagination and work ethic. Opportunity is equal for everyone, says Morrison, and some people just squander opportunity because they're lazy. And all this gives the government a free pass. There's nothing they need to fix. It's your fault. Well, fuck you, Morrison. Just fuck you. If you see someone drowning, you don't berate them for not having had a go and learning to swim or for not having a go now and trying to swim now. You help them. You rescue your fellow human beings from drowning. It's the moral thing to do. And it's pretty fucking basic, right? Well, the same applies to people who are drowning in their own life. Now, there's a story somewhere, you may have heard it, it's in, a, it's in a book about a traveller who was stripped of his clothing, beaten and left half dead at the side of the road and various people went by on the other side but eventually some other bloke helped him, some bloke who was a Samaritan, whatever that was. Well, Scott Morrison claims to be a Christian but he's one of those cunts who just walk on by. Fuck him. Uh, meanwhile, isn't America going well? Fantastic. The other day, Trump picked a bloke to join the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, a bloke called Stephen Moore, and he's a great bit of work. Calls himself a radical, says he's not a big believer in democracy. Moore wants to – this is good. His, this is his agenda. He wants to eliminate all corporate and federal income taxes entirely. He says the 16th Amendment that created the income tax is the most evil law passed in the 20th century which is a big call. He wants to slim down the government, roll back the social safety net. He wants to abolish the departments of labour, energy and commerce. I wonder if he understands that the Department of Energy is actually about nuclear, the nuclear, as uh, Donald Trump would say. The Department of Energy actually is the one that makes the nuclear weapons idiot. Anyway, he also wants to demolish the Internal Revenue Service, i.e. the tax office, and the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, because fuck the consumers. He's questioned the need for the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and he's questioned the need for the Department of Education. He said there's no need for a federal minimum wage. He wants to privatise Social Security, which he calls a Ponzi scheme. 
Don't know how that works. And he reckons people on government assistance have lost their dignity and meaning. So fuck you. you you're on government assistance. You have no meaning. Fuck off. This is the bit I really like. He says, capitalism is a lot more important than democracy. This is a direct quote. I'm not even a big believer in democracy. I always say that democracy can be two wolves and a sheep deciding on what to have for dinner. Look, I'm in, in favour of people having the right to vote, things like that. But there are a lot of countries that have the right to vote and are still poor. This bloke, Stephen Moore, works at the Heritage Foundation. That's a conservative think tank, pretty, pretty shall we say, free market oriented, which he describes as the most important think tank in the world because, of course, he does. Strong economy, people. It's the thing, right? Which brings me to uh, this person at a, uh, a Steve Bannon rally. Always with the rallies, these people. Now, you'll remember Steve Bannon. He was a Trump advisor for a while. Wears always two or three shirts at once. No socks. Uh, and he's a bit of a Nazi. Well, here's what one of the people at his, uh, his rally said. Never in my life did I think I would like to see a di- dictator. But if there's going to be one, I want it to be Trump. Yes, if there's going to be a dictator, I want it to be Trump. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. Welcome to The Edict. Well, joining me on The Edict today, once again, is Nicholas Fryer, former housemate and occasional friend. Nicholas, hello. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm fabulous, thank you. Did you like the dictator line? I liked the music behind it. The Awesome. The, this is how your society dies. Right. <laughs> and they're doing it so well. <laughs> Great strides. <laughs> and uh, have you been enjoying the election campaign so far? Hugely. It's like it's like normal life only comes at you at ten times normal speed. It's it's just it's a cavalcade of bullshit. Who could not love it? That's your intro, by the way. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> okay. To your segment. That's a second. <laughs> this is becoming a tradition now. Yeah, that's I should right. probably I should probably tell you what the feed line is going. I to just be. I just like talking to you. Why Why do we have to do any of this <laughs> scripted bullshit? I mean, I've read it. It's rubbish. <laughs> well, I haven't read it. I want to hear it. Okay. Well, the, one, one of the great things about election campaigns is it does bring you life at ten times speed if you're a, a politics junkie. And our politics, of course, normally consists of politicians simply lying at you all the time. And when there's a campaign on, you get that uh, on overdrive. The election campaign officially kicked off last Thursday, but the real start, of course, to this year's Farago was the federal budget delivered a couple of weeks ago. In a sense, the very existence of the budget is a lie. and It was delivered on the even of an election with a parliament that was to be prorogued days later, and there's no timetable actually to pass the thing. It's not actually a serious attempt at fiscal planning. It's an advertisement for the government going into an election. And it's a pity we can't formally call it an ad because it would almost certainly breach whatever truth in advertising standards we have still on the books. Full of of cheery straight-line predictions going eternally upwards from this near utopia that we already live in to an even brighter future of unending growth and global stability, its predictions spanning the next 10 years are about as useful as weather forecasts over the same period. 
But that lie is merely the foundation upon which other lies are to be lovingly constructed. Ever since budget night, we've been told by government members, like a series of not terribly bright parrots, that the budget has been returned to surplus. It hasn't, of course. It's projected to return to surplus next year. There can't be a surplus this year because of all the lolly that needs to be spent on roads in marginal coalition-held seats in Queensland and Victoria. A couple of days after the election campaign kicked off, Trade Minister and 1992 South Australian Lions Club Youth of the Year, Simon Birmingham, was on the radio telling me that the Treasury had costed the opposition's tax policies and we'd all be paying an extra $387 billion over 10 years. That was a lie. Treasury hadn't costed the Labor policy at all. And the number was a lie as well, being made up largely of the government's own promised tax cuts to be phased in over the next two electoral cycles and... If you believe that I have some land to sell you, which Labor have not promised to match. Earlier this week, everyone's favourite lingering malady, Tony Abbott, popped up with his latest Gnostic wisdom on climate change. The so-called settled science is not quite as settled as people say, he said, which is untrue, but it's probably not a lie because I expect that he believes it. But he went on to say that I've always said that climate change happens and that mankind makes a contribution, which is a lie. Famously, in 2009, he said that climate science was absolute crap, and only six months ago, Abbott gave a speech at the Global Warming Policy Foundation, and I think we all know what that means, in which, after thanking the forum for giving him the same platform as those other leading climatologists, John Howard and George Pell, he described a belief in dangerous anthropogenic climate change as an irrational religion. It hasn't all been on the government side, of course. Bill Shorten was just a couple of days out from the announcement of the opposition's policy, which include increased taxes on superannuation, when he undertook that a Labor government wouldn't increase taxes on superannuation. That might not have been a lie technically, because he probably just meant that they wouldn't increase them any more than they've already said very clearly that they will. But then he spent the next 24 hours telling us that a reduction in a tax concession isn't actually an increase in a tax, despite the fact that its effect is to increase the tax as paid by the taxpayer. I know how that would have flown back when my sainted mother was still alive. Look, look Mum, I'm, I, obviously there are fewer biscuits in the jar, but that's because when you said I could only have one, I thought I should have two. I haven't taken more. I've just reduced by one the amount that I conceded that I couldn't have. And we have weeks of this still to go. And isn't it going to be... Fucking marvellous! And, and this is free still. We don't have to pay for this. They do this. For- wait, wait on. <laughs> we are paying for this. Oh, all right. Via our taxes. Does that mean I'm I'm taking a contribution? Oh God! And that was me getting all. <laughs> I was getting all self righteous because, in fact, you know, I've already educated the kids to not even use the public roads, but float along two feet above the ground. But now I realise. I suspect your kids could actually do that. Well, well, well they're pretty clever. Well, possibly. I think I suspect only one of them could achieve the lotus position. Why is that? Because the other one would still have his laptop on his lap. <laughs> Fair point. Well, look, one of the things I'm really looking forward to, and uh, I, I will uh, just admit, dear listener, that though uh, this podcast is is being uh, posted on Good Friday, we're actually recording it on Thursday afternoon. So the news today on the Thursday was that the alt-right, whatever the fuck they are, I think that's just what we call neo-Nazis. 
right? Well, I think it is, but it's one of those terms that now more, you know, it doesn't mean anything. It's like intellectual dark web. If you come up again, yeah, try to work out exactly what the intellectual dark web is. I mean, um, barely intellectual, not even dark. I guess they're on the web because aren't we all? And, and the dark web itself isn't no, even no, a thing. No. <laughs> Just, I, I give up. But anyway, the alt-right, brackets, whatever the fuck that is in brackets, plans to release an avalanche, as they called it, of election campaign propaganda, because they want to help get Senator Fraser Anning re-elected. Now, Senator Fraser Anning is basically a Nazi. And uh, I think basically, well, at least he's decided that, that the <laughs> Nazi vote is how he gets his 4% to make sure that he can continue on the gravy train. I mean, that's certainly true. Well, certainly, um, I mean, he is uh, a senator of Queensland, but he's spent the last few months um, zooming around the country to far-right rallies uh, with various luminaries who are Nazis. Uh, sorry, um, 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 alt-right, uh, and, and speaking to them. So there's that. Well, the ABC's radio program, Background Briefing, uh, this week, um, they've got hold of some texts from the, the avalanches, um, that'd be a good band name. The members of this group are discussing plans for confrontational racist stunts because, of course, they are. They want to attract global attention to Senator Anning, and they're going to. This is this is a, a wonderful agenda of action plans. They want to perform in blackface and other taboos. They want to burn the Quran. Uh, and they want to obtain and access a giant email and SMS database from somewhere uh, to send messages that are, quote, extremely right wing. Apparently, this will help. So anyth anything is possible. Clive Palmer, for example, that wonderful um, um, pillar of the Queensland economy, uh, has decided he's going to go for the Senate as well, uh, probably because uh, his electorate of Herbert, I think it is, in Queensland is, has got like about 47 other people going up against him. So he's, you know, he's probably not going to win. So he's going to go for a Senate spot. And uh, Clive Palmer, if you've watched any commercial television or or YouTube in the last two months, you will be more than familiar with the, the United Australia Party's platform. Um, <laughs> it consists of high-speed trains and not selling things to China. Pla platform. <laughs> As got, there's a pillar and a platform, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 for, trains, and for a yeah. man of such... <laughs> Obvious sun-blocking ability. There's just there's, <laughs> there's just not much substance there, is there? There's not, but there's there's many many ads. He's spending a lot of money on it. Uh, there are billboards all around the country, even though there are billboards here too. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's running as a senator in Queensland, the nation. Why are we telling people this? They know this. They can see the fucking things. Poor bastards. Now. Another thing that intrigues me this week is now. Do you know the story of the Engadine McDonald's? I know the story of the Engadine McDonald's because it's one of the public services provided recently by the Batuta Advocate has been to bang, <laughs> bang this particular drum loudly and hard and repeatedly. Right. For those uh, folks who have not caught up with the wonders of the Engadine McDonald's incident. The story is, and and 
he's not denied this. The story is that in 1997, Scott Morrison was at a rugby finals where his beloved Cronulla Sharks were playing. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Sorry, uh, as your lawyer, I, I'm just going to say the word allegedly now. I was, I was, I was getting for, to the allegedly. <laughs> like, I'm just going to say but, it like 15 times between now and the punchline, <laughs> just so that we all know where we stand. Yes. Allegedly, <laughs> after the match, Scott Morrison went with a number of people to the Engadine McDonald's outlet, at which he shat his pants. Now, allegedly. Now, there was a lovely piece. <laughs> I mean, where do you go after that, I, um, I'm, I'm looking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a lovely piece in the Financial Review saying, now, here's the problem. Scott Morrison has been feigning interest in things like horse racing. and uh, We know he's not into horse racing, but when Winks, the horse, won a race, he's there, hurrah, and then snogging his wife in a, a very kind of assertive manner, as you might imagine. So here's the thing. He's not – is he really into this? Because in 1997, says a piece in the Financial Review this morning, Scott Morrison didn't live down – at Cronulla, where he does now. He lived in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. And those who knew him at the time, and presumably this journalist, and I haven't bothered to see who wrote this, look it up yourself, says that those who knew him at the time doubted he did even know whether Engadine was a Sydney suburb or a brand of noxious domestic antiseptic. Um, and that sounds fair. I mean, he's probably huffing a bit of Engadine as we speak. But here we have this mythology. And and this piece is that's fighting like a cult traction. So what's what's the thing here? Did this actually happen? Like, was he actually following the Cronulla Sharks rugby team in 1997? More than what? That's more than 20 years ago. 22 years ago, which is unlikely. Or. Is he like a, a Cronulla carpetbagger, they say? And I, I like that Matt Burke on Twitter said, well, this is a choice facing the Prime Minister. He either acknowledges the Engadine incident as canon or he admits he's a phony rugby league fan and he only chose the Cronulla Sharks as a self-branding exercise. And I, I love Josh Taylor, who uh, I've worked with in the past. He's now front page editor for Seven News, but he was at uh, – um, where was it? BuzzFeed before that and Crikey before that and ZDNet before that. Great journalist. Anyway, he's referred to this as Sharky's Choice, which I <laughs> <laughs> which is just great. And the and the and the answer is obvious, surely. It's got to be it's got to be option one. You acknowledge it as canon. Engadine actually Engadine happened. actually happened, and you seize the label as the as the leader and representative, the man who can speak for Australia's pants shitters. I mean, well, yes. we've all and been much there. Much neglected demographic. We have literally yes. all been there. I mean, admittedly, yes. for most of us, I, I, it was back when we were about two. But oh no, I was I was actually once only a few years ago, kind of on a date, and was suddenly hit with explosive diarrhea, <laughs> and I had to go to a nearby public restroom. Uh, it's okay. I didn't actually shit my pants in the company of of this gentleman. But I had to rush to the nearest convenience. <laughs> there was there it was it was mate. It was a fire hose <laughs> of of feces everywhere. Now and, come and on. Look, I, you I cannot tell that story without <laughs> telling us how the date ended. Did you get lucky? Well <laughs> <laughs> 
No, because I mean, <laughs> I, I, some of the the splashback did did reach the the inside. Some of my people pants are into so that. Through. Yes, some people are. Broadly speaking, on most occasions, I am not. Now, fortunately, I had like some sort of top, a jumper or something with me. So I ended up having to take that off and tie it around my waist to hide the fact that the the rear part of my trousers were not as pristinely clean as earlier in the day. And, and I had to feign – well, I didn't have to feign. I really wasn't feeling well and cut things short. Um, uh, yeah, so that – Anyway, that really didn't go anywhere as you <laughs> for, for some for some he didn't reason. Phone back. <laughs> he did. He did actually. He didn't. He clearly didn't pick up on what had happened. And and we did catch up another time and went for a a long and let's get fit walk around Wentworth Falls Lake. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, we we were not going to be a good match. <laughs> Anyway, so um, look for next episode of this podcast. Uh, email me your shitting the pants stories. <laughs> I reckon we should have a compilation of them, don't you? Oh God! As long as you read them, absolute. No, no, no. People need to record them and send. I'll them record. In. <laughs> so, I mean, we both have to listen. To them. <laughs> I, 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 it, it, it's going to be great material. Send it in. You know where to find us. Yeah, I ask the internet normally to say, you know, pr- provide your comments on the price of margarine. And within, you know, by the time you get to the fourth person, you'll be showered in crap. This is, <laughs> this is an open invitation to dreadfulness. Don't listen to him. Cut to the chase. Don't listen to him. Cut to the chase. Don't do it. The internet, the internet is full of shit. We know that. We might as well. Get to the prime quality A grade shit, nothing in between. Uh, Yeah, all right, fair enough. Elephant stamp time. Elephant stamp time. Every now and then on this podcast, not every time, but most times, I award elephant stamps of approval for excellence in the category of thinking, and I have three today. The first, the first is you know really shooting fish in a barrel. Mark Latham, aged fifty-eight. Remember that in you know it, 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 as as we go through this story, uh, he was on Sky News the other day. Even even though his program was dumped because he's just a legal liability. Um, He was having a go at the Victorian government's campaign to reduce harassment of women on public transport. Now, have a look um, for the TV commercial. I can't play the audio here because basically there is one, is none. It's entirely visual. But kind of reducing the harassment of women on public transport, you would think, would be a reasonable thing. But but Mark Latham doesn't like it and... uh, Here's how he expressed his views on Sky News the other day. It's a very rough recording. Sorry about that. It was supplied by someone else. Paul Murray is the presenter, but the first voice you will hear is the Premier of Victoria, Daniel Andrews. 
this is what every uh, is what women experience every single day together we can change that how when blokes stop harassing women and start respecting women when blokes stop ignoring this kind of behavior and start calling it out mark pretty obvious if i saw a lunatic like that on the train why wouldn't you go mate are you right well i don't know paul how many trains do you catch there's people staring at each other all day every day on the train okay trains are pretty boring places and, sure. and quite frankly i it's been a long-standing social reality that if you don't uh, have a good look at a beautiful person of the opposite sex there's something wrong with you yeah but you don't and, the whole time just well like. i don't know was he thinking that i used to know her she lived next door she's my sister's friend that i root her in uni who knows what he's thinking as he's staring at her yeah did i root her at uni there's a there's a great line of thought uh nick do you you catch the train a bit? Do you sit there looking at women thinking, "Did I root her in uni?" No, because it's you know, it's a fairly easy question to answer, really, given given, <laughs> given my university years. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, the, so, elephant stamp of of approval for excellence in the category of thinking to Mark Latham. As I say, that's fish in a barrel stuff because he's such a cunt. Second one, uh, this this is for an unnamed person, uh, but it comes to me via James Purser on the Twitters. He says, I've found it. I've found the absolutely stupidest thing on this website. Now, you may remember the other day, uh, Julian Assange was uh, finally turfed out of the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where he's lived for seven years, uh, and it is false and defamatory to say that he lived in a cupboard. So some people see Julian Assange as a hero. Some people see him as a traitor. Well, I won't go into that now. But this wonderful tweet from someone who shall remain nameless, I'm actually a homeopath that treats autism via Skype. Yes, I do good work. Are you happy being a propagandist masquerading as a journalist, Julian Assange? Nicholas, I know you're a fan of science. So tell me a bit about the science of homeopathic treatment of autism via Skype. I can't. Obviously, <laughs> there isn't any. Uh, so, elephant stamp for that anonymous person who apparently is doing good work and making a living from that. Uh, and the, look, the the third question, uh, the third elephant stamp, I should say. Um, this this one's interesting. It does involve animals. Uh, and a friend of mine, Jono, on Twitter, when he saw my plan for the day and I mentioned Easter, he, he said, so are you planning bunny fisting, I hope? Mmm, can I squeeze in my words bunny fisting? Well, Jono, yes, there are your words. Let's savour them. Bunny fisting. No, no bunny fisting. But the other day I did try blowing through a pigtail. That's about bunny fisting. Nicholas, what's the weirdest thing you've done with an animal? Well, I lived with you for a year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I only just spotted this question coming up in the in the feed. And um, I, don't, I don't know that I've done, ever, ever, ever done anything genuinely weird with an animal. I've got an animal of my own that I live with here. Assuming we are restricting ourselves here to non-human animals and therefore... Well, that that that, that and therefore housemate housemate tails won't cut it. I do. I, I have a non-human housemate here who is a cat, and I've done something genuinely stupid with our cat. It's the first male cat I've ever lived with, and uh, I live with cats all my life, but always with with women and with girls, girl cats. And this is a boy cat, and it has a very different energy, and it always loved playing. <laughs> That's a lovely way of putting it. It, it, it always loved playing roughly, um, even as a kitten. Uh, using teeth and claws, and always knew exactly when to draw the line, and was always pretty good. But but it was always fun to do with to, to do because I'd never had that sort of play with a cat before. Uh, 
only the mistake I made was that I found my gardening gloves. And uh, when I had my gardening gloves on, which are black and I am not, um, so I thought it would be fairly obvious which was the case, you know, whether the gloves were on or not. With the gardening gloves on, we could play really roughly and the cat could go absolutely bunter and claw and scratch and bite and do everything. But in the last couple of days, I have discovered that the cat is colourblind, uh, cannot tell when I've got my gardening gloves on. And a couple of mornings ago, he latched on to one hand and would not let go. Uh, my my theory about this is the cat can tell perfectly <laughs> whether you are wearing the gardening yeah. gloves or not and does not yeah, yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, there was no kangaroo in my bowl this morning, you cunt. I'm, I, I'm having you. <laughs> I am bloody Avenue, and the and the, the wheels, the little the wheels, kangaroo, oh, kangaroos for humans. <laughs> is that is that written on the outside of the roo? Human yeah, consumption yeah. only. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> cats love it's it. It's the opposite of not for cats, human consumption. Cat, oh, cats, yeah. well, humans love it. Too. It's very good. Pro- I share it. Just listen. Yeah. One for you and one for me. It's fine. We got a, we got a good relationship. <laughs> but I tell you what, he's not getting any for the next couple of weeks. Not at least until the bandages come off. Yeah. Well, look, that's fair. Uh, my weirdest thing. Uh, this goes back many years to when I was maybe thirteen or fourteen years old in the Scouts, which. <laughs> People may find this frightening, really. Uh, But we were out camping somewhere near the River Murray, and um, (laughs) I've just seen that I've typoed in the running sheet that it says raping rabbit. Um, Trapping rabbit. That should be. Oh, is that a typo? (laughs) Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, dear listener, I did not rape a rabbit. Hang on. Um, Correcting now. At least not then. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, But we encountered a real Easter bunny because part of the the, the local scout troop, and this may have drifted into Venture Scouts, which means I think 14, 15 that starts, whatever. The Americans call them Eagle Scouts. Um, But we had been out setting traps for rabbits. So, yes, I – learned to do that on the farm anyway, so I know how to set a rabbit trap. And we were then checking uh, the rabbit traps and we caught an actual Easter bunny because the one of the scout leaders who had previously been in the army during the Vietnam War, an obviously completely stable human being, um, had gone out earlier than we did in the middle of the night found that there was a rabbit in one of the traps, gutted it and inserted Easter eggs inside the rabbit (laughs) (laughs) and and stitched it back together. (laughs) So when when we came to check, like, the the, the traps just before dawn, you needed to get in well before dawn because otherwise dogs might find the rabbit and chew it up or whatever. So... We then wanted to prepare the rabbit for cooking. So when we opened the rabbit up to gut it, it was full of Easter eggs. (laughs) (laughs) So, so dear listener, if you're wondering why I'm the way I am. (laughs) And still believes that rabbits have chocolate eggs inside them. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that is genuinely (laughs) sick. Moving... (laughs) 
Yeah, I thought I'd surprise you by not putting the details in the in the the running. I was looking there, forward to a is- perfectly normal tale about you raping a rabbit, which would have been no shock at all. <laughs> On the topic of raping animals, Terry Yetman of Bozier City, Louisiana, um, gets our third elephant stamp today. Uh, elephant stamp today, and you said, "What? Uh, let let the wonderful people at KSLA News Twelve in Shreveport, Louisiana, tell you the story." Information now at ten on a former Bozier City canine officer accused of animal sex abuse. We first broke the news at six that he had been rearrested. Now we've learned he's in custody on 31 counts of child pornography. At around three today, U.S. Marshals and state police, with help from Webster Parish, S.O. and Menden PD, arrested Terry Yetman at his home in Menden. Back in December, Yetman was charged with more than 40 charges related to animal sex abuse. We're told he could face even more charges in connection to the child pornography. You'll look for updates on air and right on the KSLA News 12. Okay, this is what I love. This this guy, Terry Yeltman of Bersia City, I mean, that's a name that's going to go down in history, uh, had turned himself in in December to the, the local parish sheriff's office, the Bersia Parish Sheriff's Office. That, that, that crosses the streams already. But 20 counts of sexual abuse of animals by performing sexual acts with an animal uh, I, I'm assuming this was his police dog because he was a canine officer, and 20 counts of sexual abuse of animals by filming sexual acts with an animal. This guy's uh, bond, so his bail bond, is currently set at $620,000. So whether he's out or not, I don't know. Um, does a cop have 620000 spare dollars? How does that conversation with the, bond go, you know, with the bond um, poster I'd like to. I forget what they're called. What are they called? Oh, you mean the judge? No, there's a there is a profession. There is a there is a job people do where they post bond for people, and you know, in exchange for a cut, loan shark. Yeah, well, that too. But I just I'd love the cut. I would love to hear the conversation. I need six hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Certainly fine. What have you been charged with? Just so I can you know get a sense of your character. Well, it's a bit personal, but also they've got video of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's because which he shot himself <laughs> allegedly. I noticed that KSLA News Twelve did not show any of this video, which is disappointing. Obviously, uh, God, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Um, okay, so, but any, any, moving right along, elephant stamp of approval uh, for Terry Yeltman of Bozier City for his uh, excellent work. This podcast is made possible by you, the generous listeners, through your subscriptions and one-off contributions. Yes, this is the Pass the Plate segment. Uh, so thank you this time to Peter McCrudden, uh, who, want, who, who, who sent me not only money but the word pincher. I'll come back to that. Um, actually, no, I'll, t- I'll tell you the story now. Uh, Melbourne philosopher Pat Stokes, yes, that is actually a thing, uh, got into a conversation the other day about dog breeds, and he he told me that there is actually a dog breed called the Petite Bassett Griffin Vendée. 
Uh, I thought he was joking. Um, he was telling a story that there's actually a kind of bingo-like game where you learn uh, the names of dog breeds. And I thought, yeah, yeah, what is this with your, your Grand Canal muff snorter dog? And then he sent me a photo. And if you want to look up the Petit Basset Griffin uh, Vendée, Vendée uh, it, it kind of looks like an old jumper crumpled up and sewn to some carpet offcuts. It's just, it's like, what, what sort of dog is this? And, and then Pat said, no, 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 no. You're thinking of the Affen Pincher. And I thought, what? And I looked that one up, and yes, that is definitely the old jumper crumpled up and sewn to some carpet offcuts. And that, that led to another conversation. I wonder, given the people have paid me to kind of read all sorts of shit, on this podcast. I wonder if people would pay for a podcast that's just me shouting the names of dog breeds. And then on Twitter, Citizen McPenguin, uh, Twitter handle U2, E-W-E-2, very witty, said, as long as I can alternately shout the names of politicians and media personalities and maybe get a third person to shout expletives and then cut the audio files up and randomise them and call it election 2019 performance art for the terminally frustrated. And I thought that's brilliant because you could just say, Border Collie, Chris Kenny, cunt. Anyway, thank you to Peter McCrudden and also to uh, uh, one anonymous person uh, for your contributions uh, recently. If you too would like to... uh, encourage the continuation of this podcast, uh, if you want to subscribe make regular uh, contributions, you get added benefits like being able to throw uh, topics into the podcast um, and and such. Uh, go to skank.com.au slash subscribe. If you just want to do something one-off, and please do this this month because it's been really bad, go to stillgarian.com slash tip. It actually doesn't matter which one you go to because they're cross-linked. Skank.com.au subscribe. And uh, stillgarian.com slash tip. I can hear you there, Nicholas. What are you Nothing, doing? nothing. I was wondering. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I was genuinely concerned <laughs> for your, your, your well-being. Are you poor? Right. Give him money, you I, bastards. I, I, Give him money now. And now on the edict, we explore the wonders of political communication that is Captain Getup. So far, one of the highlights of the election season. Shall I explain this, Nicholas? Please just say yes and I'll move on. Getup, as people may well know, is a left-wing lobby group. Uh, They've been around for years. Uh, And for this election campaign, their donors have given them 10 million dollars to spend, most of it in small donations. And the right-hand end of politics is is scared. So they've started a thing called Advance Australia to counter GetUp, which I think they thought it was going to be a grassroots movement, but I don't know how much money they've got. But after a long night of huffing kittens, they came up with Captain GetUp. I'm Captain Getup, the Truth Crusader. After 14 years of secret backroom deals, they finally let me out of the office for this election campaign. My mission is to show the world what clever tricks we use behind the scenes as we increase political correctness to manipulate voters to get what we want. Because trust me, at Getup, we really know what's best for you. 
and in this election what's best for you is actually one of us bill shorten my father and founding board member of getup how exciting is that so i'll be traveling across the country over the next few weeks in the lead up to the election letting you know about the foreign influence and donations that drive us our links to the labor party and the greens and independent candidates like zali here in waringa we love you, Zali. I'm here to help. Now, the first thing I want to say is that shit audio is not this podcast. That's them. The distortion, whatever that rumbling was in the background, that is the quality recording of Captain Getup. Nicholas, do you understand at all what this is about? Uh, to the extent, to, to the extent that I understand anything at all in this strange world, still getting. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a fairly well, it's a fairly obvious attempt to parody something <laughs> and to to take it down. But the, but the astonishing thing is how absolutely everything about it is wrong. From yeah, from from as you say, the appalling audio quality to the stilted English to the. Uh, I'm I'm struggling for words. I'm lost for words. It's a, that is the first time I've heard that particular cut. And oh, okay, that was the launch video. That's how they introduced Captain Get Up to the world. So so what's going on here is Advance Australia has created Captain Get Up, who is pretending to be a representative of the real Get Up, and he's got on his cape. <sighs> like logos of, of Labor and the Greens and Get Up. And his idea is is he's been released and he's going to tell you the true story as if he's really from Get Up and revealing secrets about Get Up, like foreign donations and and whatever. Look, maybe I should maybe I should read bits from an article by Hayley Conway. She did this wonderful piece uh, at Junkie dot com uh, called how did captain get up get so terribly horribly wrong which i think sums it up and and she's been a, a political strategy and uh, you know, consultant for years she was a senior advisor to greens leader richard di natale uh, which captain get up mispronounces it's just so full of win this is the best line from it what the Captain Getup strategy lacks in conceptual sophistication, it has more than made up for in inept execution, which it has. The things I love about this, as we've said, the voiceovers are badly recorded. The videos are badly shot and badly edited. Um, the the right-wing enthusiasts on places like Facebook actually think he's really get up so they've been arguing back at him not realizing it's meant to be a parody and then there was a video this week uh where captain get up was was going up to like a poster in the streets of of Zali Stegel and rubbing his ass on her face which is obviously immensely classy and then when people called him out about this like advance australia said oh that was posted as a mistake yeah that's right it was like it was recorded as a like scripted as a mistake recorded as a mistake edited it as, as a mistake uploaded to their website and on twitter as as a mistake because because mistakes 
happen. What really makes this weird is that the person in the suit is actually a part-time real estate property manager who's a temporary resident in Australia from Colombia. Um, and, like, we've got the voiceover presumably by someone else who has whatever the fuck that accent is. And then that information has been spreading in the last couple of days so that this Colombian guy, temporary resident, has been named in some media outlets. I won't name him here. Now he's getting death threats. So that's that's where we are today, kids, at what did I say it was? E minus, I'm going to look at this up, E minus 27, 29. Things 29 can only get ago. better. Can only get only better. Get better. We're actually going to come back to that song. <laughs> no, no, not the end yeah, you, bit. You, did no. you read the running sheet? You didn't, I like you to did. maintain a sense of surprise. <laughs> this is an experience for me, an unfolding you know, journey. One of the great things about campaigning is you get politicians having to walk around 24-7 um, and constant media attention, um, which is fantastic if you like watching uh, unattractive people say stupid things over and over and over again. But when they are forced to, occasionally they usually accidentally tell the truth. And there have been a few instances of that in the last week for sure. Our former Prime Minister once removed, the ever-reliable DJ Tone Deaf himself, is always good for a quote. And when asked at a recent meeting if he'd ever seek the leadership again, a question any, any normal man in Tony's position would simply have laughed it off. Tone, he just couldn't help himself. Uh, it'll be up to the party room, he said. If they want me, they will need to invite me, he said which surely caused more than just me to try to imagine the sort of parallel universe in which a desperate Liberal Party room would sit around one day wondering who would present the most palatable face of the movement. Spot Tony in the corner, busy thinking up ways to give another honour to Prince Philip and then just you know go over there and, and press the gift of the leadership into his trembling, almost reluctant hands and looking up, you know, a tear in his eye or... He'll remember, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> a couple of days ago, Scott Morrison also allowed a little peep into his own mind when he asked, when he was asked about, of all things, Game of Thrones. Uh, I think it's all a bit of fun. Australia's most prominent Pentecostalist said of the brutal slasher fest and global softcore pornography sensation. It's a bit of fantasy that people can sort of chill out and zone out while they watch it. So there you go, Australia. You have the Prime Minister's approval for zoning out while watching people alternately fucking and stabbing each other. Speaking of stabbing one another, Morrison also tried to explain why the Labour Party, whose rules have been changed to prevent the defenestration of another first-term Prime Minister, is less likely to return to stable government than the Liberal Party, whose rules have also been changed to prevent the defenestration of another first-term Prime Minister. They only need a 50% vote in their party room to change all of their rules. We need a two-thirds vote in our room. 
I've never seen that happen in our party room, the Prime Minister and St Bernard Hound said, apparently unaware that he'd just confirmed that there was literally nothing you could get two-thirds of the Liberal Party caucus to agree on. In the end, though, the best quote definitely came, not during the federal election campaign, but in the wash-up after the earlier poll in Australia's second most revolting state, and it fell from the dry, lipless slash that disfigures, disfigures the bottom half of the face of my old mate, former senator and part-time Bond villain David Lionhelm. In explaining his failure to sashay his remarkable personal charisma into an upper house seat at the recent NSW election, Big Dave let slip that he knew all along that nobody ever actually positively wanted him to be elected to anything. He said, and I quote, We've always known our libertarian base is small, but we usually also attract protest voters and those who confuse us with the Liberal Party. In this case, our ballot position worked against voter confusion. So, congratulations to the temporarily unconfused voters of New South Wales for not accidentally electing ex-Senator Palpatine to the Legislative Council this time around. My faith in democracy is restored still, Gary, and I'm sure yours is too. Oh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of democracy. But the, the Game of Thrones uh, mentioned there, I, I, and I'll admit, I've never watched a single episode of it, but uh, comedian Ben uh, ben Pobgy on Twitter the other day said, I've got to say, great Game of Thrones makes incest look pretty great. <laughs> well, you got to pass the weekend somehow. <laughs> That's right. And uh, this is a surprise for you perhaps, but uh, when, when Crusader Rabbit started saying, yeah, I'd be up for leadership – uh, the other day on ABC uh, News Breakfast on on the television, uh, our wonderful treasurer Josh Frydenberg was asked to comment on that and uh, listen to the three three denials here. Former Prime Minister Tony Abbott says that he'd be willing to be drafted back into the Liberal Party leadership if the coalition loses. Do you ever see any circumstance? where Tony Abbott will lead your party again. Well, I know Tony Abbott's got his hands full in his own seat and that's where his focus is and that's where it should be. Where we are focused, Scott Morrison and myself, Michael McCormack and the whole coalition team is on delivering more jobs, lower taxes, record funding on hospitals and schools and roads. That's a record that we're proud of. That's the record that we will continue. Do you see any circumstances in which Tony Abbott will lead your party again? Well, I see Scott Morrison as the leader of our party it's a, today, it's, it's a tomorrow. Yes, it's a simple question, Josh Frydenberg, yes or no will suffice. Well, as I said, um, you're asking me about Tony Abbott and I'm saying his focus is on his seat. Oh, he's looking, uh, he's uh, looking at the leadership as well. well, if, he, well if, he, if, he, a, if he wins his seat and, and B, uh, if, if you're in opposition, do you, do you see any circumstance in which Tony Abbott will lead your party again? What I say is Scott Morrison is providing strong leadership. Bill Shorten's been the opposition leader for six years. It doesn't matter who he's up against. He's not the preferred prime minister. And the reason is people can see through his lies. They can see through his bad policies. And ultimately, it's the coalition that will deliver a stronger economy, lower taxes and more jobs. More jobs. Isn't that wonderful? No is such a hard word to say. <laughs> isn't it? Or maybe he thinks yes. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I forget man. which which side was Frydenberg on in the last. Well, he's treasurer; he therefore must have supported Scott Morrison. <laughs> I assume you would, so. You, yeah, you would not get to be treasurer if you voted for Malcolm Turnbull or or Peter Dutton. Even in the even in the Liberal Party caucus, the talent pool is not that shallow. 
Oh, dear. But what, what that did show is um, the, the glorious media training. And, and that's the thing. No matter what the question is, give your talking point. Because I must not say the thing that will embarrass us. Speaking of embarrassments, Michael Hing, <laughs> who describes himself as Australia's fourth or fifth favourite Asian Australian comedian, and I like, I, like I like that. It's like <laughs> fourth, fifth, whatever. Um, you may not know his work. I don't think you do, do you? I've not. I've not heard of this guy before today. No. Okay. Well, look, he's he's. You know, young comedian uh, based in Sydney. He's uh, doing work currently on on SBS, uh, regular spots on The Feed, which is SBS's wonderful little evening kind of current affairs done in a it, – it's <laughs> – I want to say it's the SBS equivalent of the project, but like not, but at the same time it is, and he's doing spots on that. But uh, one, I, I really got to know him – when he uh, did a three-part documentary called Where Are You Really From? So he's Chinese-Australian. Where are you really from? And and that three-part documentary starts like this. Hi, I'm Michael Hing. I'm this country's third or probably fourth favourite Asian-Australian comedian. And I grew up here in Sydney. So I think that's where I'm from. Thing is, when I tell people that... They get a bit confused. So, where are you from? Um... But, like, where were you born? Yes, Michael, but where's your family from? I think what they're trying to say is... Yeah, but where are you really from? And the thing is, if you look like me and you live in Australia, that is a question you get all of the time. It's weird, though, because my family has been in Australia for over 100 years, right? My, my, my parents were born here, I was born here, my grandparents were born here, you know? And I was trying to explain this to a friend, and my friend said to me, wait, 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 your family's been here for over 100 years, and in that time, they've, like, only married, like, other Chinese people? <laughs> and it was at that point, ladies and gentlemen, that I realised that I'm descended from a long line of just blood purists and racists. <laughs> okay, so that's... Michael Hing, <laughs> um, and that's like I do recommend people watch that series because uh, it's a three-parter. The first one he goes to Bendigo and talks to like Chinese Australians who've been there since the gold rush and about their experience. The second episode he goes up to the north coast of New South Wales where there happens to be like multi-generational Sikhs living and they're banana farmers and I forget the third episode. Um, but look it up. The look at the podcast website for the link. It's a it's free to watch on SBS uh, on demand, uh, at least for Australians and or people overseas with a VPN. It's fantastic. Well, look, the thing now is Michael Hing is running for the Senate in New South Wales. Like he he started out researching how you know minority people get into the Senate, like the aforementioned Nazis. Uh, and he was researching a piece for the feed on SBS. And then he went, hang on, it's only $2,000 to kind of register as a candidate. And if I become a senator, it's a $200,000 salary. So here's what he's done. G'day, Australia. There's an election coming up and you've got a choice to make. Do you want to go with the same old, tired major parties? Or do you want to make a change? The fat cats in Canberra don't care about you because they're not like you. But I am. 
And that's why I've launched my own political party, Michael Hing's One Asian Party. Put me in the Senate to represent you. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, this is a joke, right? There's no way he could actually get elected. Well, to you I say, this is 100% for real. Getting elected senator is actually easier than you think. Remember Senator Fraser Anning? How many primary votes do you think he got? 19. Ricky Muir was elected with less than 1% of the vote. We can actually do this because literally anyone can. Do I have any experience? No. Do I have any policies? Not yet. In fact, I'm crowdsourcing my policies from you. Do you want higher taxes? Sure. Do you want lower taxes? Whatever. We can do whatever you want because we're actually doing this. So this May, vote one for Michael Hing's One Asian Party in the Senate and make your dreams a reality. Spoken by Michael Hing for One Asian Party Australia. Isn't that glorious? It's beautiful. <laughs> and, and, and look, you must watch the video because... <laughs> Ah, uh, the drone photography, the slow-mo, I'm concerned and looking at the sky shot. <laughs> it's great. And and what you can't see on the podcast, but go to oneasianparty.com, you will see that their, the logo is not dissimilar to One Nation Party's logo. <laughs> His T-shirt is... is, is- well designed. <laughs> there's actually one. I think there's one more joke in there still that you may not have spotted, and I only spot because I happen to have children between the ages of nine and thirteen. The music behind that earlier cut of Hing speaking, where he was being he asked, is. where he was being asked about people, is the music from a frenetic Japanese uh, video game in which one has to make <laughs> <laughs> one has to make a range is. of dishes. <laughs> Including burritos and hamburgers and other obviously Asian and Japanese foods. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I seriously love his work. Um, he's crowdsourced his slogans from from like his Facebook site, and and people people like as I say, people have been really getting into this. So he narrowed it down to a, a, a short list at number five: shoes off inside. Yeah. Number four, I'm Asian, you're Asian, we're all Asian, which I quite like. Number three, you know, vote for Michael Hing's One Asian Party, you've done worse. Demonstrably true. <laughs> like, like, obviously Indeed. true. <laughs> Indeed. At number two, politics is a joke, elect a comedian. And I will say at this point, the leading candidate in Ukraine's presidential election right now, they've done the first round of votes because they don't have preferential voting. They have a multiple round voting. The leading candidate in Ukraine's presidential election is a comedian who played the president on a satirical TV program. And who failed this week to turn up for a televised debate with his opponent who was was left debating an empty podium. (laughs) You you think Ukraine would take this more seriously given that Russia is next door and being less than wonderful? Allegedly. The top slogan for Michael Hing's One Asian Party is, and I told you we'd come back to this, Hing's can only get better. (laughs) Kind of. Anyway, Michael, sorry, Mr. Hing 
uh, road tested the slogan down uh, down somewhere the other day, and you've got to remember that not 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 more than a few days ago, our illustrious our illustrious Prime Minister Scott Morrison was down in Hurstville trying to be one of you know the locals and talking Asian, and he went up to a woman and said, "Ah, oh, ni hao," and and she said. No, no, I'm Korean. <laughs> <laughs> Ni hao, for those that are not in it, that's, that's um, uh, Mandarin for hello. Anyway, Michael Hing parodies Morrison's thing in, in this video when he went out to road test his slogan. Uh, bonjour. I'm Italian, man. Okay, cool. Yep. My name is Michael Hing, and my slogan is uh, Hings can only get better. What do you think? Nice. I like it. You liked it? I think it's brilliant. Really? Yeah, literary masterpiece. You could have a theme song. You could do better. I think you're missing a T. In terms of a slogan, yeah. Hings can only get. Oh, okay, I get it now. All right. It's a good play on words. Uh, The other option for a slogan we had was uh, shoes off inside. Uh, I'm wearing sandals right now. I prefer the first one. (laughs) I'm not too strict on shoe policy, actually. I feel like people who aren't ethnic wouldn't get shoes off inside. They'd be like, what? mm, We're going to a dojo. We should be inclusive as a society of sandal wearing people, thong wearing people. It's more like a hard shoes off inside the Senate. Why should the shoes off inside be a a standardised policy? You really care about keeping your place clean. We have people coming from countries where shoes on inside is the normal policy. Yeah, wow. I hadn't thought about it that way. Kings can only get better. Kings can only get better. I'm actually, I'm going to vote for him. And and I want to, I want to like wash down hose down this whole thing about oh wasted vote it's like no it's a senate vote you put a vote in for whoever you want and if they don't make it then your preferences roll over to the next one so there is literally no such thing as a wasted vote in the senate but we definitely need to hunt down that prick who said that we need to be inclusive about people who wear sandals and thongs because he's going in a camp yeah, yeah, yeah. He was wearing a white T-shirt with a, a red maple leaf on it. He is Canadian. <laughs> oh, okay. right, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, can, like, do Canadians get, like, a free pass for sandals? I don't know. I don't know. Not not, not, not when the- I'm Prime Minister, they don't. <laughs> I would actually not object to you as Prime Minister. Yes, but... <laughs> You're what we call a niche audience, Stugarian. <laughs> okay, so onenationparty.com, vote one Asian Michael party. Hing. Vote one, a- one, vote Asian, one Asian party. Com. Yes. Not what Stugarian not said, top. which is a bit more red-headed and Nazi. Yeah, yeah, Michael does not have red hair. He has black hair and, and a neatly trimmed black beard. <laughs> Obviously, coming from a long line <laughs> of racial purists. <laughs> look him up, oneasianparty.com. I, I'm actually, I, look, I'm voting for him. I think I just said that, but I'm saying it again. Uh, Nicholas, I, I'm, I'm about to wrap this podcast because we've been shitting on for ages. Um, I have some final advice. Do you have any final words for our our very sexy audience. Um, there must be something better you can be doing with your life. I mean, seriously. No, other than that, no. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to uh, to to mention some advice from uh, someone on Twitter. Dime Store Cowgirl is her Twitter handle, but 
like spelt strangely. So you'll have to look up that on the website. And she says, if you see someone crying, don't don't be an asshole, right? Ask them if it's because of their haircut. And that's it. I don't suppose we've got the rights to play D Ream as a as an outro. I like no, I was I was thinking of that and and I'm gonna fucking do it anyway. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly look, look, I'll just complain to Professor Brian that's Cox. Right. Yeah, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian, it had Brian, to happen, Brian. Giving us it grief. had to happen. It was artistically necessary. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Right. Also, yeah, yeah, the stars are very nice. Are we cool? You can walk my you can wear my shoes Land a talk like me And be an angel too But maybe You ain't never gonna feel this way You ain't never gonna know me But I know you Singing in our things can only get better can only get can only get think it up from me you know I know that things can only get
you, you, things can only get. That's all the edict for now. Thank you to Nicholas Fryer, as always, and to Professor Brian Cox in advance. If you'd like to support this podcast, you know where to go. Skank.com.au slash subscribe or stillgarian.com slash tip. Please give us your support. The next episode will be when I get around to it. In the meantime, I'm Stillgarian. Have a good one. It actually mostly came back to the, the border collie Chris Kenny cunt uh, comment, which... Which, which, which is, I'm going to cuddle that thought in, in bed tonight. The 9pm edict is a skank media production. Sorry.